Chapter 16 of My Southern Home, or The South and Its People. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. My Southern Home, or The South and Its People, by William Wells Brown. Chapter 16 The night was dark. The rain descended in torrents from the black and overhanging clouds, and the thunder, accompanied with vivid flashes of lightning, resounded fearfully as I entered a negro cabin in South Carolina. The room was filled with blacks, a group of whom surrounded a rough board table, and at it sat an old man holding in his hand a watch, at which all were intently gazing. A stout negro boy held a torch which lighted up the cabin, and near him stood a Yankee soldier, in the Union blue, reading the President's proclamation of freedom. As it neared the hour of twelve, a dead silence prevailed, and the holder of the timepiece said, By the time I counts ten, it will be midnight, and the land will be free. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Just then, a loud strain of music came from the banjo hanging upon the wall, and at its sound the whole company, as if by previous arrangement, threw themselves upon their knees, and the old man exclaimed, Oh God, the watch was a minute too slow, but thy promises and thy mercy is allus in time. Thou did promise that one day thy angel should come and give us a sign, and sure enough the sign did come. We's grateful. Oh, we's grateful. Oh, Lord, send thy angel once more to give that sweet sound. At this point, another strain from the banjo was heard, and a sharp flash of lightning was followed by a clap of thunder, such as is only heard in the tropics. The negroes simultaneously rose to their feet and began singing. Finishing only one verse, they all fell on their knees, and Uncle Ben, the old white-haired man, again led in prayer, and such a prayer as but few outside of this injured race could have given. Rising to their feet, the leader commenced singing. O oh, brethren, my way, my way's cloudy, my way. Go send them angels down. O oh, brethren, my way, my way's cloudy, my way. Go send them angels down. There's fire in the east and fire in the west. Send them angels down. And fire among the Methodists. O oh, send them angels down. O oh, Satan's mad and I'm glad. Send them angels down. He missed the soul he thought he had. Oh, send them angels down. I'll tell you now, as I told afore, send them angels down. To the promised land I'm bound to go. Oh, send them angels down. This is the year of jubilee. Send them angels down. The Lord has come to set us free. Oh, send them angels down. One more short prayer from Uncle Ben, and they arose, clasped each other around the neck, kissed, 
and commenced shouting, Glory to God, we's free. Another sweet strain from the musical instrument was followed by breathless silence. And then Uncle Ben said, The angels of the Lord is with us still, and they is watching over us, for old Sandy told us more than a month ago that they would. I was satisfied when the first musical strain came, that it was merely a vibration of the strings, caused by the rushing wind through the aperture between the logs behind the banjo. Fearing that the blacks would ascribe the music to some mysterious providence, I plainly told them of the cause. "'Oh, no, sir,' said Uncle Ben, quickly, his eyes brightening as he spoke. "'Dat come from de angels. We been spectin' it all the time. We know the angels struck the strings at a banjo.' The news of the music from the instrument without the touch of human hands soon spread through the entire neighborhood, and in a short time the cabin was jammed with visitors who at once turned their attention to the banjo upon the wall. All sorts of stories were soon introduced to prove that angelic visits were common, especially to those who were fortunate enough to carry the witness. The Spirit of the Lord come to me last night in my sleep, and told me that I were going to be free, and said that the Lord would send one of his angels down to give me the warning. And when the banjo sounded, I knowed that my blessed massa were keeping his word, said Uncle Ben. An elderly woman amongst the visitors drew a long breath, and declared that she had been lifted out of her bed three times on the previous night. I knowed, she continued, that the angelic hoss was hovering round about us. I dropped a folk today, said another, and it stuck up in the flow right afore my face, and that is all is good luck for me. The mule kicked at me three times this morning, and he never did that afore in his life, said another, and I knowed good luck would come from that. A rabbit run across my path twice as I come from the branch last Saturday, and I felt sure that something mighty was going to happen, remarked Uncle Ben's wife. I had a sign that showed me plainly that all you would be free, said the Yankee soldier, who had been silent since reading the proclamation. All eyes were instantly turned to the white man from the north, and half a dozen voices cried out simultaneously, Oh, Mr. Soldier, what was it? What was it? What was it? Well, said the man in blue, I saw something on a large white sheet. Was it a ghost? cried Uncle Ben, before the sentence was finished by the soldier. Uncle Ben's question about a ghost started quite a number to their feet, and many trembled as they looked each other in the face and upon the soldier, who appeared to feel the importance of his position. Ned, the boy who was holding the torch, began to tell a ghost story, but he was at once stopped by Uncle Ben, who said, "'Shut your mouth! Don't you see the gemman ain't told us what he see in the white sheet?' "'Well,' commenced the soldier again, "'I saw on a large sheet of paper a printed proclamation from President Lincoln, like the one I've just read, and that satisfied me that you'd all be free today.' Everyone was disappointed at this, for all were prepared for a ghost story, from the first remark about the white sheet of paper. Uncle Ben smiled, looked a little wise, and said, 
I expect that's a Yankee trick you's given us, Mr. Soldier. The laugh of the man in blue was only stopped by Uncle Ben's striking up the following hymn, in which the whole company joined. A storm am brewin' in the south. A storm am brewin' now. Oh, hearken, den, and shut your mouth, and I will tell you how. And I will tell you how, old boy. The storm of fire will pour and make the black folks sing for joy, as they never sing afore. So shut your mouth as close as deaf, and all you niggers hold your breath, and do the white folks brown. The black folks at the north am rise, and they am coming down, and coming down I know they is, to do the white folks brown. They'll turn old massa out to grass, and set the niggers free. And when that day am come to pass, we'll all be there to see. So shut your mouth as close as deaf, and all you niggers hold your breath, and I will tell you how. Then all the week will be as gay as am the Christmas time. We'll dance all night and all the day, and make the banjo chime, and make the banjo chime, I think, and pass the time away, with enough to eat, and enough to drink, and not a bit to pay. So shut your mouth as close as deaf, and all you niggers hold your breath, and make the banjo chime. However, there was in this company a man some forty years old, who, like a large number of the slaves, had been separated in early life from his relatives, and was now following in the wake of the Union Army, hoping to meet some of those dear ones. This was Mark Myers. At the age of twenty, he fled from Winchester, Virginia, and although pursued by bloodhounds, succeeded in making good his escape. The pursuers returned and reported that Mark had been killed. This story was believed by all. Now the war had opened the way. Mark had come from Michigan as a servant for one of the officers. Mark followed the army to Harper's Ferry, and then went up to Winchester. Twenty years had caused a vast change, and although born and brought up there, he found but few that could tell him anything about the old inhabitants. Go to an old cabin at the edge of town, and there you'll find old Uncle Bob Smart, and he know everybody, man and boy, that's lived here for forty years, said an old woman of whom he inquired. With haste, Mark proceeded to the old cabin, and there he found Uncle Bob. You say your name is Mark Myers, and your mamma's name is Nancy, responded the old man to the inquiries put to him by Mark. Yes, was the reply. Well, sonny, continued Uncle Bob, the Myers niggers was all sold to the traders about the beginning of the war, exceptin' some of the old ones that they couldn't sell, and I specs your mamma is one of them that the traders didn't want. Now, sonny, you go over to the Redmond place, and it appears to me that the omen you're looking for is over there. Thanking Uncle Bob, Mark started for the farm designated by the old man. Arriving there, he was told that Aunt Nancy lived over yonder 
on the west road. Proceeding to the low log hut, he entered and found the woman. Is this Aunt Nancy Myers? Yes, sir, this is me. Had you a son named Mark? Yes, that I did, and a good boy he were, poor fella. And here the old woman wiped the tears away with the corner of her apron. I have come to bring you some good news about him. Good news? By who? eagerly asked the woman. Good news about your son Mark. Oh, no, you can't bring me no good news about my son, exceptin' you bring it from heaven. For I feel certain that he is there, for he suffered enough when the dogs killed him to go to heaven. Mark had already recognized his mother, and being unable to longer conceal the fact, he seized her by the hand and said, Mother, don't you know me? I am your long-lost son, Mark. Amazed at the sudden news, the woman trembled like a leaf. The tears flowed freely, and she said, My son Mark had a deep gash across the bottom of his left foot that he will take with him to his grave. If you is my son, show me the mark. As quick almost as thought, Mark pulled off his boot, threw himself on the floor, and held up the foot. The old woman wiped her glasses, put them on, saw the mark of the deep gash. Then she fainted, and fell at her son's side. Neighbors flocked in from the surrounding huts, and soon the cabin was filled with an eager crowd who stood in breathless silence to catch every word that should be spoken. As the old woman revived and opened her eyes, she tremblingly said, "'My son, it is you.' "'Yes, mother,' responded the son. "'It is me. "'When I ran away, old master put the dogs upon my track, "'and I jumped into the creek, waded down for some distance, "'and by that means the dogs lost the scent, and I escaped from them.' "'Well,' said the old woman, "'in my prayers I ask God to permit me to meet you in heaven.' and he promised me I should, but he's been better than his promise. Now, mother, I have a home for you at the north, and I have come to take you to it. The few goods worth bringing away from the slave hut were soon packed up, and ere the darkness had covered the land, mother and son were on their way to the north. End of chapter 16 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista